0: In the first week of Lent, we talked about temptations through the vehicle of Christ, and uh, we, uh, lest we get wrong uh, what we do. And today we have the transfiguration for the second Sunday of Lent, lest we get wrong who Christ is. Societies have misunderstood what God is up to and what God wants. And we have misunderstood what we should be up to. God wants us to change for the better, but sometimes he first has to get our attention and that's no small thing. Well, our attention may be small, but getting our attention may be a big deal. Think of a world where human sacrifice was, as you hear said today about certain things, godly, how it was godly, human sacrifice. To talk people out of that, he would have to first get on that bizarre wavelength, on our wavelength, though bizarre. And if we heard him speaking against human sacrifice, which we thought was godly, how could he ever be thought anything but, wait for it, irreligious? You'd say, well, no one who called God irreligious. Well, it's true, but that's the level of how important the first commandment is and the second commandment, not taking God's name in vain to justify horrible things, or listening God, to God and only having God and not the mob as your advisor. But those things have happened and those things could happen again. And so how important to get on God's wavelength and be grateful for God taking trouble to get on ours so that we can be already tuned in. And in a way, in the development of that slow march of the human understanding, you can think of Genesis the 22nd there with Abram and Isaac as a matter of, of God first having to get on our wavelength by doing something, quote, religious, unquote, God forbid, and then telling Abraham he should sacrifice Isaac, then say, halt, stop, never more, don't do this again, and don't do it now but at least he got entree into that head and heart and soul that thought that that was the important thing to do, to say no, no way, never again, and don't do it now. In faith, we should do what God says, but we should never, ever think that God would say, do this. You know, apart from Christmas, it seems to me Ash Wednesday, even though it's not a day of, quote, obligation, is the most attended day of the year at any church. And yet Christ's very point of the Gospels, and we all run into this every year and people chat about it afterwards. What was Christ's very point? Change your heart, not your forehead. He speaks very specifically against long faces and ashes and talks about a change of heart. And I guess we could say Holy Mother Church in her wisdom, practicality, and prudence, realizing who she's dealing with, namely the likes of you and me. It's good she has you. It's tough she has to put up with me. Uh, She'll say, okay, a compromise. Have it your way. We will have ashes. You get to do ashes. But we'll also read what Christ said. Don't do ashes. Don't dirty your face. Don't look like that. And then furthermore, that compromise will exist for only one day a year. And the other 364 days, we'll do what Christ said, not simply read what he said. And so it's a matter of dealing with people where they're at and determined to be where they're at, but working with that and growing through that, and then finally hearing Christ's word and trying to learn to live not in contradiction with it not to just read what he said, but also indeed to do what he said. We have a first thinking of what we'd like to do, and then if we pause and muse and pray, we have a chance to decide what might be a lot wiser. Years ago, there was a, a young, a nun, of religious sacred heart. She was over at MIT, she was doing a PhD. And she'd often talk after the 5 p.m. mass we used to have here. I remember, it was in the basement, I remember her chatting, laughing. She was laughing so hard, almost crying, she couldn't get the story out, the tale. And it had to do with Lent, and it had to be people being interviewed on what they were doing for Lent. And so this fellow who was being interviewed, and by the way, I don't know about you, but as a priest, I feel sorry for everybody, no matter what they've done. So I have great sympathy for this guy. So if I'm critiquing it it's an example, I'm not saying I probably would have done worse. Are you with me? And so he's being interviewed. They're asking, head of a multinational corporation, you know, lots of power, levers to pull, what are you going to do? And she said, Father, she kept laughing. She couldn't control herself to get it, spit it out. She said, Father, all the things he could have done, and he was going to give up jelly beans. And she kept recurring to that. Can you believe that? Jelly beans. Well, when you, we think of all that led is to be in terms of conversion of the heart, and change and our manner of walking in life and the paths we walk in and what we do and overcoming what we omit to enlarge, uh, to get rid of our sins of omission, enlarge the good we do, we can see the same thing in any life. I've often thought the best way to uh, pass on our Lord's advice in the Gospel of Ash Wednesday uh, would be Isaiah, often called the fifth Gospel, Isaiah the prophet, the three different prophets of that school. And Isaiah 58, if I could remind you of 58, Isaiah 58 starting around the third verse, and you can find your way through, it's really a perfect parallel, and it's used by the church that morning, Ash Wednesday morning in the office of readings, in the breviary, and then during the, for the readings in the next two days at mass. And, And he tells us what God's word. The people, it starts off not with God, but with the people complaining that God isn't on their program, God isn't on our program. People are saying, why do we fast? And you do not see it. People are irritated at God, God's wrong. The people are gently pointing this out to him or more than gently. And then why afflict ourselves and you take no notice of it? People saying what God should be collaborating with and God isn't on the program yet. And then the response. Lo, on your fast day you carry out your own pursuits and drive all your laborers. Your fast ends in quarreling and fighting, striking with wicked claw. This rather, we're still in Isaiah 58. This rather is the fasting that I wish. This is God speaking. Releasing those bound unjustly, untying the thongs of the yoke. Setting free the oppressed, breaking every yoke, sharing your bread with the hungry, sheltering the homeless, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. If you bestow your bread on the hungry and satisfy the afflicted, then the light shall rise for you in the darkness, and the gloom shall become for you like midday. Again, as it says in the ninth chapter of Mark's Gospel, the Father reminding us of not simply what to read or say, but to do. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him, and what we listen to, to act. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please consider supporting us by visiting stpaulparish.org. That's stpaulparish.org. God bless, and see you next time.